Hey, Matt. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Well, it's going pretty well. It's going pretty well. I'm in an intense week this week. Oh, yeah. Tell me more. Operation Submit Email Wonderful to the Monday.com Marketplace is happening this week. Okay. I'm I, I, like the I'm dev complete. Um, I have to put a little bit of polish on uh, like plans because when someone installs your app, it tells you what plan they're on, that sort of thing. I'm really not getting fancy. I'm really just saying, oh, you've sent me, you've signed up and there's no quota system. There's no nothing. All I know is that I'll do all the manual reconciliation of someone installed and I'll check every day to see how many emails they've sent. And if they blow the quota according to what I have written in an Excel sheet, then <laughs> then uh, I'll send them an email telling them to, that they have to pay me more money. Okay. But yeah, like just going super lo-fi. Um, okay, but but you but you've defined some pricing plans. Well, I was hoping to talk to you about that this week. Well, that's what I'm here for. Exactly. <laughs> Been holding this in. So, all right. So pricing. So my plan right now, okay, so I've been, all this time I've been working under the assumption that there's a product in the Monday app store that does emails already. It doesn't do HTML emails, but it does emails. So my whole plan was to straight up steal their pricing. (laughs) And uh, I was looking at their pricing today and they increased their prices recently. Nice. Yes, that's very good. So, uh, so right now they have uh, a few pricing plans. I believe they have five, and it's it's all based on number of emails sent per month. So they have okay. a free tier that's just like you know twenty emails or something really small, and then they break it into uh, it's like several hundred and then several thousand uh, emails that you can send. And they have broken the pricing up. Um, they've broken the pricing up into so free, like I said, small, which is two hundred and fifty emails per month. That's thirty dollars a month. Medium, which is six hundred emails a month, which is sixty, which is six hundred. Can't speak. Sixty dollars a month. Large is fifteen hundred, which is one hundred and twenty, and XL, which is four thousand emails per month which is $250 so I find that interesting Uh, I don't know enough so I've spoken to some customers but I honestly have no idea how many emails a lot of customers will send so I've been trying to think through I I guess I don't want to get cute with this because I don't have a lot of information about what people are willing to pay so part of me was thinking like I'll just steal their pricing why not and just roll from there and see what happens um and i was wondering what you thought about that (laughs) i wanted to get your opinion on yeah on what you think yeah i mean i i i agree with you we we know nothing (laughs) yeah right it's impossible to i mean first of all pricing even when you know a lot it's still guesswork it's still like well let's try this (laughs) and there's no resistance all right let's raise the prices let's try it Let's try this now. Yeah. So I think copying them is a great starting point. Okay. Like, I mean, unless someone had told you that 
they're not using them because the pricing is insane. Yeah. Then you could find a, I don't know, a different way of of defining your plans. But it, but it seems like that's the natural way is by how many emails they send. Yeah, I agree. It seems to be the the value, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, inside of Monday, there's the concept of boards, and you can install an app. You install apps per board. So there are apps out there that will give you like Excel-like functionality on top of your boards, but uh, and they charge you per board because that's how it functions. But the nice thing here is that because there's no like it makes no sense to limit people per board because it has to do with absolute number of emails sent. So that's really all I care about. So yeah, I was I was thinking exactly the same thing, charging based on the number of emails and just rolling with that. Um, yeah, and when I think about my costs, like what what does it cost me to run the app? I mean, hosting wise, it's very straightforward. The costs are very low, um, and it's cheap to send emails for the most part. Um, I mean, look if you're if you're sending four thousand emails a month and you want to pay me two hundred and fifty dollars, let's go. Like <laughs> that's a deal and a half. <laughs> Right now, my costs are, yeah, are, is my hosting and uh, SendGrid is not cheap. Uh, okay. I pay I pay over $100 Canadian per month for SendGrid um, because I need a dedicated IP in order to not get, oh. in order to make sure that I don't land in spam. Okay. Because these emails are not transactional in nature, so I can't use transactional mail. They're not? No. How come? Uh, because I can't guarantee that the emails that people will be sending are transactional in nature. Okay. Like, I, I was having this discussion internally with myself and with ChatGPT about like what the definition of a transactional email is. So like, if you think about it, one big component of Monday.com is its CRM tool. So if you say you were going to send an outbound message through Monday.com CRM tool, is that a transactional email? Right. I guess for the user of Monday, it is, <laughs> but not for the recipient of the email. Yeah. So it's it's a funny gray area. And I mean, ultimately, the best pricing here, or at least the best value, would be every time a person comes on, I buy a new IP and I assign that IP to them so that they, if they want to tarnish their IP, they can. But no one's doing outbound marketing with, well, I mean, I, you're not allowed to do, I will throttle you. If I find right. out that you're doing outbound marketing, I will cut you off immediately. Um, and I guess I should highlight that in, in my, in my uh, copy and everything else yeah. to let people know. But the, if the idea is that people are sending messages through their CRM and other things like that, then it, it, it'll be fine. Um, they will continue to build my reputation in a positive way. Or I'll say the, the it'll build the reputation of that IP in a positive way, which is what I want. Um, ideally, you know that would be an upsell that I could sell people, but it, I don't see it really being a big problem. Okay. Yeah, I haven't sat down and built like an Excel model of what my costs will be per customer. Maybe it would be worth doing that, but like my hosting is fairly cheap, so it's I just haven't my ab my absolute costs are quite low. Well, yeah, because per individual emails, it's it's isn't it pennies for per thousand emails or something like that? Yeah, it's it's really not much. Yeah, exactly. 
it really it's this fixed cost of an I, a static IP address. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, that's easy enough. You you know you need X number of customers to break even. And, and then other than that, the only other cost I have, which is really not much, is uh, storage and bandwidth costs for images because you can upload images into a into an email or yeah you can you can upload an image into an email and i store that in s3 and okay. i could load it i could throw it into a cdn or um like an image modification service for service like imagex or other things to downscale the image so that it's more lightweight and easier to serve and cut down my bandwidth costs and those things are like I think ImageX gives you like thousands of images for like less than a hundred bucks a month. So okay. that it, it'll be quite small. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's too early to optimize I agree. that, but, uh, but there are cheaper solutions than S3. Yeah. Like I, I, I mean, I think even, is it Cloudflare or? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Cl- I think Cloudflare has a cheaper I think it's on the bandwidth that they're cheaper. Okay. Or I use Linode. Linode has their own S3 compatible. Uh, yeah, I looked at Lin- storage. I looked at Linode, and Linode is cheaper, but they have a fixed starting cost. So you have to pay them if you want to use their object storage. You have to pay them twenty dollars a month at least. I thought it was five dollars. Oh, is it five? I can't. Remember. I yeah. looked and was like, oh, that's weird, because like. It doesn't take it, t- it depending on what you're serving and how much of it it takes a while to break that five dollar cost on s3 so yeah and the but nice the, thing but, is but the bandwidth is unlimited well not but practically unlimited mm-hmm. it's like terabytes for free nice yeah so i've got some thoughts there's there's tons of room for optimization there yeah exactly it's, um, it's not the time <laughs> exactly exactly and like if i were going to optimize things i would use a cdn before i change out my object storage um because like nobody it would be imp- <laughs> it would be so crazy to think about somebody who's busting like to have a client a customer who's busting my my s3 costs alone like just oh they're sending right huge images <laughs> and, and their customers yeah. keep reloading the the email <laughs> exactly it's a click farm that just like all they do is download a 10 meg image and just refresh 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 yeah uh, and if that's the case then I'll, fi- I'll fix it I'll do something else but yeah yeah so that's cool um, alright yeah so it sounds like we're more or less in agreement of steal the pricing and just move on <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You could you could change the pricing anytime. Yeah, and you will you will change it. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Uh, yeah. So that that's that was in terms of pricing. I yeah I didn't want to. I just didn't. I I don't want to overthink any of this. I have no information. I just the point is to get into the market. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's one of many things <laughs> that I'm dealing with with my intense week of trying to get email wonderful into the market um but yeah i've got some other like interesting technical stuff to talk through but like what have you been up to before i before i go deep on some of this stuff sure yeah i just i just reached a big milestone mm-hmm. the uh so i i sold power importer three months ago okay and part of part of the agreement was that for three months i would help with the transition right right and it's 
customary to offer like so many hours of support and we had agreed upon 40 um, and uh, yeah last the last friday was the end of the three months damn yeah and uh yeah i mean they asked me if, you know you, you sure you don't want to stick around <laughs> <laughs> but uh psychologically i really needed to cut ties and really feel like no no it's it's sold it's no longer mine now i can i have all the bandwidth to think of other things absolutely yeah. And yeah, yesterday, <laughs> well, I mean, this weekend I had a judo competition, so mm. so I, I fought Sunday, so then Monday I was just exhausted. I was and hurting everywhere, <laughs> so I just vegged on the couch, binge-watching all day. Like, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> it felt good. It just like no no guilt, no, yep. absolutely no guilt. It's like, there's, I'm not on call for any problems. Uh, yeah, if it, it felt good. Man. And obviously, I'm, I don't want to do this forever. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm going to run out of things to binge watch. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, but no, if it, that, that definitely feels good. Hell it, yeah. It, it feels like over now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the transition period, there were some very hard moments. Mm. Like, I, I don't think I've spoken about them. But uh, at the very beginning, there were like two large downtimes that were out of my control. Um, But I felt because, okay, let's take a step back. Um, When we decided, you know, how would we do the transition? Hmm. We agreed that I would just keep doing the uh, level two tech support. Okay. Because it was was simple. Like I, I was already doing it. Um, it only takes a few hours a week on most weeks. So we could afford to do it with the 40 hours and, you know, it would get, give them an opportunity to focus on the marketing instead and on hiring a developer and, and maybe getting them to work on the the new importers that they wanted to work on. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, just on call, you know, most weeks was fine. But uh, but these huge downtimes, like I had no idea what was going on. Like like why why is the site down? Like I didn't do anything. Like right because I'm I'm not responsible for any of the operations anymore. I'm just I just answer customer emails when someone pings me. Like yeah. Um, so yeah, that was so stressful. I felt like I was I felt responsible because I'm the one like putting out the fires with the customers. Mm. Um, so yeah, that, that was the most stress I've felt in the last three years with power importer. Like we never had these problems before. Yeah. Yeah. But then, but then all that got fixed. Like the, the root of the problems were, were fixed. I don't want to go into too too much details, right? Cause I don't know how much of it, but, uh, then it went, it was pretty smooth after that. Okay. Uh, But I was still doing support. So, you know, so I still need to be like available at any time mm-hmm. if customers has a problem. Um, Evergreen would ping me and then I'd have to hop on and fix it. Uh, so that's that. That's why it felt so good to veg Monday. Like yeah. just that, just that thing. It was always in the back of your mind. Like you make plans, but you never know. Like the, you might have to put the plans on hold to. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, I mean, I think that's something I would have 
done differently. I think trying to getting their developer to do the tech support as as soon as possible would have been would have been better. Mm. Okay. You know, and then if, then I could be like level three tech support. Right. So they they go on, they read the code to try to figure out what the problem is, mm. and then when they're stumped, they they contact me, and then you know they would be learning as they're doing it and lead me less and less. Right. But instead, what we did is I just continued to do the tech support, and their developer started to learn the code in order to write the next importers. Right. Hmm. Yeah, man. Support is so stressful. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I think back to being on support at any place I've worked. And I much prefer to be on support for things that I own. (laughs) So like code that I, like I've worked on huge products with like dozens of developers. So like, and you're on support for the whole system. So like right. an error message comes, or there's an exception and they're like, oh, Matt, can you look at this exception? Like, I have no idea about anything or any of this. Like, why does it, oh, you checked if this field is two. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> am I supposed to know that? Versus like, oh, at least I'm on support for like a specific area that I understand. And now it's like, oh yeah, now maybe people are changing. Maybe the system is changing and you know how it worked before, but like. Well, shit, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm going to do my best here, but you're still yeah, on the no. line if the, and it feels like you're on the line. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's that that was the biggest problem for the first downtime is that it was still my face in the footer of the site. Yeah. Like, you know, so all the nasty <laughs> messages coming Ugh. in or, hey, Mark, the site's down. <laughs> so, okay, it's a very fast sidebar, but would you ever consider writing a different name on the support and being like oh it's leo like i'm gonna i'm gonna message leo for <laughs> for support i i have a friend who who does this with their support and they're like it's funny because it it, it takes some of the burden off of you because it's not about like they're upset and they're not necessarily upset at you they're just upset at this fictional person but like because it doesn't have Matt written on it. <laughs> right. All of a sudden, it, the pressure feels different. You know, you're right. I, I have thought of, about that before. Like, it would, a lot of it might be easier if it was a pseudo-anonymous. Like, mm. um, but the problem is, when you're an indie hacker, at the beginning, you're talking to customers. Yeah. So, I mean, sure, I could pretend that my name's Leo and... But it would still have to be my face in yeah. the footer, because then when we have a call, they'd say, who are you? <laughs> You're not the guy who's in the footer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But at the same time, this whole idea of putting my photo in the footer, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I've been doing it with my startups, but I don't know if really do the customers appreciate that, that they know they can see the founder, they know it's a real human. I don't know. Well, I've heard people say, like, for example, <laughs> when you sign up, like, I, I think Ben from Tuple mentioned this. When you first sign up to Tuple, you get an automated email from a customer success or a customer support rep, and that has a picture of that rep in it. So okay. I, he's like, oh, so the email is like, hi, I'm Dorothy, and it's like, I'm a real person, and like, here's a photo of me. I mean, you could fake that photo or whatever, but all right. the same, it's like, no, there's a... It, 
you get and he was saying that the response rate you get when you include a photo people really feel like they're talking to a person so um that's good that's something i'm planning to do at least so i'm really curious to see like i wonder if it does make a difference yeah i mean i'd say i don't know i've never tested Mm. without my photo like i've always put the my photo in the footer and and i don't but but i mean i'm not i'm i might not be typical representation of my customers though Mm. right like I'm an indie hacker, so I like it when I see that, oh, this is built by an indie hacker. And right. and even more, if I can see, their, I know who they are. Like, I see their photo, I see their handle for, for Twitter. Mm-hmm. But maybe the customers don't care. Yeah. <laughs> right? I've never really tested it. Yeah, I'm eager to see that myself, to see. Because I'm very interested in making this as personal as possible with people, of just being like... When you talked it like there's nothing more I there's nothing I hate more than interacting with a chat widget of any kind because it's like great I can't wait to talk to this bot this very unhelpful bot that's going to be on yeah. the other side of this but I really want to have a thing that's like hey this is this is a, the bat phone to Matt Matt lives in Montreal and right now it's 1 a.m. in Montreal I'm very likely asleep but if you leave a message I will get back to you as soon as I'm awake or like I don't know just having it be as personal as possible with people. Yeah. I mean, I think it's still, I still would probably do it with my next, my next SAS. I don't mm-hmm. know. It just feels natural. Yeah. Uh, but maybe, maybe removing it sooner might right. be the thing. Yeah. Like when good. I hired, <laughs> but when I hired Evergreen, right? Like right. Maybe that was the time to remove mm-hmm. the photo. Like, right. You know what? You're, you're if you reach out, you're probably not going to talk to me first. So it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to put my face there. Right. I was going to say you're too good looking to leave that off the table. <laughs> yes, that is the uh, reason for all my success. You're going to get this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. <laughs> Value delivered. <laughs> well, congratulations. You're untethered now. Yes, thank you. Yeah, no, it, uh, I mean, besides like those two moments of like those down times that I didn't even know were going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when it seemed like everything was on fire, I felt like I was the one that had to fix it. Mm-hmm. But it was really out of my control. Like I wasn't the best person to fix it. Right. That, that was horrible. But otherwise, the transition went super well. Like the new owner is super professional, friendly. Uh, mm. it, it's been great. That's amazing. Like yeah, in the end, like at the end of it, the three months, I could say it's a huge success. The transfer. It just hit me that this might actually be worth writing about. I'm sure you. There's so many technical people out there that dream of doing this. It'd be kind of interesting, and you know, it doesn't. You don't have to go as far as like build the cell, but. Like to be able to talk a little bit about like what went well and what didn't go well and what were some of the gotchas and what are you glad you did or didn't or yeah yeah I I agree I mean I feel it was lacking also like we you know like the broker was really useful like right up to the closing date mm-hmm. uh, but then after that you know for them it, it it's like it it's over all right now it's it's between you guys yeah it's between the buyer and seller like you guys figure out the details okay. uh and there's no like there's no 
guide or anything like here, here's a, a PDF that shows you all the things that you should uh, think about. Mm. And like one of these, like this, here's an example that would have been useful. Like, you know, spend your transition time training the next dev instead of yeah. just continuing to do tech support. Right. I thought it was a good idea, but now in hindsight, it wasn't. Hmm. Or at least, yeah, it wasn't time well spent. Yeah, like maybe it, it would have been fine to do the very first week, like after the handover. Right. It's like, sure, I'll, I'll con- we'll, we'll keep operations exactly the same. Evergreen does level one. They ping me when they need level two. But as soon as possible, once they have their developer available like like have them do to level two and i'll do level three mm-hmm. yeah yeah maybe i should write a short blog post about it i i think that'd be super valuable yeah because i could totally see that being a um like there's a there's a guy he doesn't tweet anymore i think he left the platform but his name is ryan culp and he wrote he he put together a course that was like learn how to like ship something and sell it really quickly and microacquire bought it from him. They bought that course and then they offered it. It's like a free thing that you can just take through microacquire. So cool. it wouldn't surprise me. Like something like this would dovetail dovetail very well with their offering of like, what does a handover look like? Right. Yeah, and also these all the different um, buyer buyers that I encountered. They're all these different flavors of buyers. Mm. Right. There's like technical people like us that just want to buy it and then do growth mm-hmm. uh, and then there's there's teams like where they have they have a technical person and they have a, a business person mm-hmm. like so all these different buyer types and uh, have a different plan for each one mm-hmm. yeah I mean these are the things we're not thinking about or I guess or if we're not thinking about them until they happen, and then it's like, oh yeah, actually, this is, <laughs> maybe there's yeah. more to this. Cool. Well, it's over. Now you're you're <laughs> flying free. You're flying solo. Seriously, yeah, yeah. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna veg a few more days. Yeah, you've earned that. <laughs> actually, I have a, a trip to Mexico coming up. Hell yeah! yeah Hell so yes. Don't be, There'll be lots of vegging then. Yeah, maybe. Lay on the beach, read some books. Yeah. Wrestle with the other beachgoers. <laughs> exactly. I also like uh, beach volleyball. Oh, yeah. Beach volleyball is fun. Yeah. Nice. Great. Well, I'm excited to have you come back and ready to conquer. Yeah. So how about you? You said, you said there were other things too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I've got some technical stuff to dive into with uh, Email Wonderful. So uh, the first one is around uh, the email templates themselves. So uh, for a, <laughs> as a backend developer, I've got to say, um, building anything around structured HTML and styling probably wasn't the best choice for me <laughs> in project. <laughs> Uh, it turns out actually that applying styles in emails and getting them to show up reliably, kind of hard. Yeah. Kind of a, it's kind of a whole thing actually. So it's like the uh, Internet Explorer days oh, uh, dude, all over again. It's horrific. It like yep. it. Ugh, ugh. 
on the upside, I've learned a lot, which is great. Uh, I, I, I love learning, so it's fun to learn. I, I wish there, I didn't have to learn as much as I did, but I did. So the problem that I was running into was first with the editor that I chose. So when I was scoping out this project, I thought, okay, all I need is a very, I need the simplest possible editor that will allow me to view the HTML of the underlying document that gets created. So I looked around, you recommended Tricks, the Tricks editor. Uh, I like Tricks, um, but I ultimately went with an editor called TinyMCE. It's an open source editor with tons of plugins and they have a code plugin. So it, it, it was working great. I, it was serving all my needs, everything was great. So I ran into <laughs> a bunch of problems around getting emails to display. So one that I realized was uh, whenever you're displaying emails, you can't inline styles. So you can't just say like P, like, oh, I have a P field or a P tag and style equals something. Uh, in emails, when they are displayed in the browser, all of the styles have to be pulled from the individual tags and have classes created for them and referenced by class. So all of your styles have to exist in the head of your document, otherwise they don't get rendered. And not just don't get rendered, but just like break the whole email. <laughs> so it's just, <laughs> so like nothing looks right. So that's fine. Once I learned that lesson, uh, that was not so bad to fix. I just had to like hoist all of the styles up into the head. But then I started to run into problems I couldn't fix. So what I I would style an email and I would add all the the I would add all the classes and everything like that and I would send the email and it just wasn't looking right. So it took me a while to figure this out, but ultimately what I realized is that this editor really it, it's not an iframe, but you could think of it as an iframe. It's effectively an iframe with an HTML document in it, but the editor itself applies a skin to the content inside of the editor. So even if you, you could put as many styles as you want into, the, into your document, when it renders, it's injecting CSS that's changing the way the document looks. So whenever you hit send, the skin that's been applied isn't in the HTML that I save. So it's like there's this extra HTML that gets appended or this, these extra styles and I and when you you style according to it, and then you send the email, and of course those styles don't exist. So I was fucking freaking like I was so frustrating. It took me days to figure out what the hell was going on. So I got uh, I got exposed to this idea called a CSS reset. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah. Okay. I didn't. I had never heard of this. So I so someone was like someone in my in my microconf mastermind said, oh, you should look at a CSS reset. And I said, that sounds something I could definitely use. And if you've never heard of a CSS reset, um, if you're a barbarian like me, basically it's just a, a giant style sheet of many tags with the CSS set back to nothing. So the idea is you could have in the stack, you could have things like way below you that are setting all these different styles. Like for example, uh, Gmail is gonna have some of its own styles that it's going to apply, to apply to messages. And then you can apply a reset and that just hard codes all the styles to nothing so that none of the styles that Gmail applies will make it past that reset. And then you put all your styling 
on top of the reset. So you have this like base style that you can work with and you don't have to worry about overrides. So I discovered the CSS reset and said, oh, that looks good. <laughs> so I, uh, I, there's and there's a couple of them out there actually, like MailChimp gives you one. They're just like, yeah, here's a, here's a CSS reset you can use. So um, I took a look at a couple different ones and I picked one and it seems to be working great. So I applied the CSS reset. Um, and more importantly, I had to edit the skin of the tiny MCE editor, because even if you did apply a CSS reset, it was still injecting <laughs> CSS into that document and screwing up your ability to craft the email. So I, uh, so I had to minify the skin a little bit so that uh, it didn't apply so much. And some of the things I actually that it was doing, I actually like. So I apply those on top of my CSS reset. Things like um, ordered list indentation or unordered list indentation, things like that. Um, there are some things that just make it look reasonable. So I created a CSS reset, uh, a very useful, a couple of like simple presets, and now my emails are looking a lot better. Uh, they don't look. They're still there's like tiny differences. So like off by one errors or just like, oh, things aren't, they don't come out pixel perfect. I wish they did, but right now they're not. Um, but that's okay. Uh, pixel perfect, I don't like, we're not sending huge design, <laughs> like design right. templates across emails. We're just, you know, people are sending email signatures or other things like that. So, uh, so it's good for what it is. Happy, I'm happy with that. So as a V1, I've got that set. So yeah, that was my like adventures with <laughs> CSE, CSS resets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, breaking news: backend Java developer discovers CSS resets. Exactly. Oh my god, I felt like such an idiot. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I feel like a caveman. Just I just don't know what these tools are. Well, that's what I said. Java backend developer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> caveman all the way. <laughs> I've embraced my caveman heritage for too long. <laughs> so that was so that was useful. That that was that took a couple days to figure out, but I, I managed to figure it out. So next comes uh, <laughs> a couple of interviews that I had with people. So I finally, finally got a user on the phone or a, a potential customer on the phone. Yes. Oh man, that took. I've been at this for two months or something, and that's. Yeah, geez, it took a long time. But I got somebody on the phone and the feedback was high fidelity and awesome. So they told me all about how they're using it, what they want it for, all these kinds of things. So I, in my MVP, I send emails on like the from, um, the from address is me. So it's like mail at email wonderful.com. And I put in the, the from name is the person who sent it. So it might be like Mark and then, but it's ma mail at email wonderful.com. And the reply to is Mark at Power Importer. So like everything steers you back to, to you, Mark, but it does come from me. And the feedback I got across the board was, this is not going to work. Uh, I, sorry. <laughs> and I, I agree, like it looks a little bit scammy uh, it looks like a phishing attack or it could look like a phishing attack. So I said, okay, loud and clear, I'm gonna fix this. So I said, the only way to do this is to either integrate with Gmail or to do the, or to call the Gmail API or to use the DKIM uh, and do the DKIM and SPF setup myself. And th so that's what I did. I, 
I built the, I started playing around with the SendGrid API and authenticating domains through the API. So while I was doing this, I recalled that there are services out there, and I think Gmail is one of them, where you can like click a button and Google will off with your uh, domain provider and change your DNS settings for you. Oh. And I was right. This thing exists. It's called Domain Connect. And it is really, really cool. You can sign up for something and they can say, like, click here to verify or to, to do your DNS configurations. Little modal pops up. You auth with, I, I'm with GoDaddy, but you auth with GoDaddy. And it will make the necessary changes to your uh, to your DNS settings, and then it's complete. So I said this. Whoa. I said this is perfect. I this is what the internet has been waiting for. And then I ran into a snag. <laughs> so the way Domain Connect works is it's a very simple protocol, um, but the problem is that. When you want to make changes to somebody's DNS records, you create this template file, or that you, you have this template, and you give the template to the domain provider and say, these are the, th like, it's a template with filled in parameters, and it will make those DNS changes for you. But for anything that isn't a TXT record, <laughs> uh, you, you have to sign the uh, you have to sign the template that you send to the DNS provider. And if you sign it, uh, th so the signing is done with pre-agreed shared keys. So that okay. means that every domain provider that can handle these DNS, that, that can manage these domain connect templates, you have to like have a relationship with. So on the domain oh. connect site, they're like, we, you can get started here. And it's a list of like two dozen DNS providers with like reach them by email <laughs> so you, you can send them an email at like domainconnect at godaddy.com domainconnect at namecheap.com and like there's a billion of them oh my so if you want so you can do this but yeah you have to there's a whole um, there's a whole procedure of you'll have to create the templates and the domain connect organization will you can uh, you can go to their github page and there's a huge directory full of companies that have done this integration and you merge your template into that directory you do you make a pr and they give you feedback and everything and then once it's merged you can reach out to all the different domain providers and say hello this is the template here it is in github it's been approved by the domain connect people i would like to get a shared key with you would you be willing to adopt my template and you go back and forth with them i don't know if it costs money if they're just doing it out of the goodness of their hearts how long it takes to become active for that provider yeah. no clue um oh my yeah so i was like i, I was playing there's a really so i uh, i feel i feel kind of stupid because <laughs> you can go to their github page and you can run a, an example one of these domain connect examples and i was running it and it was working and it was changing my domain and it was working great and i was like this is this is exactly what i need but it was changing a TXT record. <laughs> so like it, okay. <laughs> it was changing like a really simple record that is totally okay. You don't have to have a signed request for. Um, but 
if, if, <laughs> that's like the very first like hello world template that they give you and if you go to the second template that one has to be signed i just never ran that one so i didn't see it so i was like oh this is open to me i can i can do this this should be fine and i just totally missed the fact that these have to be signed so but uh, what what records do you have to set that are not text message uh, text records uh i have to set c name records really mm. I have to set for what for three. I have to set three C name records, so I have to set one for the for the mail service. So um, because I'm using so this is another conversation I wanted to have with you, but so because I'm using SendGrid, you can set DNS records so that SendGrid will manage all of the will manage all of your security records for you will manage all your SPF and DCAM records. So you have to say, you have to create a scene, a subdomain that says, this is where the mail comes from. So SendGrid asks you to create a subdomain with like a small string. And, uh, and that's where all your mail comes from. So that's step one. And then step two is you need a CNAME record for your DKIM keys. And then SendGrid asks you to create another CNAME record for like a a backup of your um, of your DKIM keys. Um, so right now, when you when I get you to create these DNS records, there's no like emailwonderful.com or anything like that in these DNS records. It's all sendgrid.com. Um, so it'd be great if it all said email wonderful or whatever. But at this point, I'm just like, well, I'll just get them to create sendgrid records. Fuck it. Fuck it's. Sangrid takes care of the secure of the key rotation, all that stuff. Set it once, and it's set to go. I don't really see a problem with it. Is it the best? No, but it's okay. Hmm. Yeah, this uh, domain connect seems like a a lot of unknown. Oh yeah, like I I uh, right. ultimately I was like this is a someday thing. Someday I'll, I'll do yeah this. yeah exactly. Yeah, it seems like. In the perfect world, the customer know like can figure it out. Mm -hmm. You could just give them a page. Here are all the DNS records. Yeah, log into your DNS into your DNS provider and mm -hmm. create these. Yeah. Or in the other scenario, you do it all for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for for some non-technical people, there might not be a big difference between logging in with Domain Connect and giving you their username password. To them, it might feel like the same. Mm. They're, you know, they're on your website. They're, they sure. click something and then they enter the username password. Yeah, it might feel like the same. I'm, I'm, when I do this, Matt has now has access to my username password. Yeah, I mean that's a legitimate right. that's a legitimate fear. Domain Connect does a pretty good job of like when the modal comes up, it says like, oh, you can give it a like you can give it a logo. So it says like, oh, you're, so it's like the email wonderful logo with an arrow to GoDaddy. Like it, it looks very integration-like, like almost like, oh, sign in with Google kind of thing. Right. Um, but you're right. Like to the unsophisticated user, they could believe that. Yeah, or if they're on their phone, like they probably don't even see the domain name in the address yeah. bar, right? Sure. They just see, yeah, for all I know, this this model is is on Matt's website and mm -hmm. he's stealing my credentials. Yeah, give me your credentials. 
Yes, that's what I want to do. Set DNS records all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to steal your domain. Give me those records. <laughs> yeah. No, but just... Yeah, maybe maybe some people will just give you their username password. Well, I mean, certainly and some that- people will... Like, uh, my plan is to have a widget up. So... Um, I recorded a Loom video of me doing this on GoDaddy, but I've been, and and I'll get some data throughout this of who people's prov- uh, domain providers are. Uh, and actually, I found through I will say one really useful thing that happened with Domain Connect is that I learned that domain providers uh, that support Domain Connect will automatically create a DNS record that points to themselves that that domain connect can use to figure out who the provider of this domain is so uh there will be a so you can you can look in your provider there'll be a domain record i don't remember if it's a c name or not but i think it is but it'll be it'll start with underscore domain connect and the okay. and the value will point to in my case it points to to a godaddy url so you can do a dns lookup against uh, against URLs and see who provides who's who access the DNS provider, which is very useful. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's I like I'd love to do this someday. I'm sure there's going to be issues with all this, but I would love to have a little pop up that's just like, hey, if you're having troubles, oh, oh, I, yeah, I was saying I've set up, a, I created a loom that walks through all of this, and I want to have a modal that's like, look, I know that this is hard. Uh, this is like unfair. It's so technical, but I, I'm ready to jump on a call and walk you through this. Right. So yeah. But yeah, so I spent a bunch of time uh, user testing. I built a um, I, I built a flow that's like you know put in your email, put in the domain that you want to manage, and then it gives you the records. And I I check the records, and I have all sorts of like modals for helping and what's working and what's not and that sort of thing. And I user tested it. Like I had my wife try it. And she stumbled through it. I said, okay, I need to make this clearer. So I like move things around and that went well. And then I tested it with someone else. So like, I'm, I'm feeling better about it. It's still not perfect, but it's as good as it's going to be for MVP. That's for sure. Okay. And is the user able to, to send a first email without doing any DNS records? Mm, uh, no. <laughs> so right now, Without the DNS records, they'll have to send it through me. Yeah. And the feedback I got is that they don't want to do that. But they might, like, they might want, they might be willing to do that during, the, like, the trial. Right? Oh, if, sure. If a trial, mm. just so they they can go in there right away, connectormonday.com, mm-hmm. and then test it out, send an email. Oh, look at that. I have an HTML email with links in it. Right. This is awesome. Yeah, that's true. I I have uh, one thing I'm going to add before launch. It, it'll take me like five minutes to do is to uh, to send a test email. So they create their their email. They they add images, everything, and then just they click like send. Um, that is going to be a, a that that very like well, I could have that come from me from okay. my domain, um, and that wouldn't be bad at all. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like usually I would, I would, if this was my, my SAS, usually I would 
I would say just one person telling me the, the domain needs to come from their domain mm-hmm. might not be enough sure. to to make me implement it. But in this case, I agree. My gut is that lots of people are going to want this. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah. yeah, I guess. Yeah, like part of me was thinking, part of me almost wants to get people started with the Gmail integration. Like maybe I'm actually doing this the long way around of like, maybe I should go and do the Gmail integration until they tell me I need to start paying them. Okay, because I, I don't remember. What's what's the deal with the Gmail? They, uh, the security audit. Okay, so you could be up and running quickly, but eventually they will demand the audit? Yeah. Okay. Tell people to get off Gmail. <laughs> do it. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. <laughs> do it on Gmail, then tell them to get off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like for what? One of my very few remaining SaaS businesses. Mm. Uh, I just got an email from from Google Workspace saying uh, they're deprecating. Um, is it IMAP? Like, anyways, it, it's going to be like impossible now to really send emails through their CMS, through their CMDP server, and it was. It's like. For me, it was like the last straw. Like, you guys really don't want me to like use Gmail to send emails. Like, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, the well, I, I I think I know what you mean. Like, because we used to be able to say you could auth, you could use a person's auth to send emails through the SMTP server directly. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, they're getting rid of this because they want you to use like the Gmail API to send emails exactly. on behalf of someone. Yeah. And yeah, and this is like, you know, this is a small SaaS that has been completely passive for for years now. And Mm -hmm. I do not want to add anything to it. I don't want to add Gmail. So at this point, I was just keeping the Google workspace because it was convenient. It was like, right, it's it's all working. So I was willing to keep paying just to use it as a SMTP server. It's just a a few transactional emails that I sent. Right. but now it's like, oh, they really don't want you to do this. They want to lock you in to their ecosystem. Mm. I'm out. That was the last straw. Okay. I'm gone. Yeah. I mean, part of me, as I was implementing the this DKIM flow, part of me was thinking like, shit, maybe I actually did this wrong and I should have just used the Gmail SMTP, the, the Gmail API to begin with. Easier, easier sell, easier lift. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you might be... You're right. It's easier for anyone who's using Gmail, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you really niche down to people who are using Gmail and Monday. Yeah, or Outlook. I could do the same integration with Outlook, I guess. I mean, otherwise, what are they using? Oh, jeez, who knows? Who knows? Like, right now, Monday has integrations with Gmail and Outlook. I, I guess, like, I don't know what other corporate mail server, like, maybe people are using an exchange server. I don't know. You're right. Damn. I hate email. Cause <laughs> it's tricky work. It's, there's a lot to yeah. it. So at least one thing that's on the horizon for me as well is when I was implementing this, I realized like, huh, if a company comes to me and they're already using SendGrid, uh, I'm going to be screwed. 
<laughs> because if they're using the automatic SendGrid authentication and I'm like, add these DKIM entries, they're going to be like, those those entries are already there. I can't change them. They're, I, I have those, I have them already. So I was just thinking like, huh, that's true. Well, I don't know. <laughs> if it happens, then I'll have to cross that bridge or say no. Yeah, is, isn't there a way where you... You sent from a subdomain, like sent from maybe it'd be, I don't know, it'd be email wonderful dot their domain name. So then you could have your own DKIM for that, your own DMARC. Yeah. And and then, but then if the SPF record says you're allowed to send from that, from that IP, then it just looks like it's coming from the top domain. Yeah. Yeah, you would have to do, let's see. So SPF records tell you which domains and IPs can send from this domain. So if they were managing their own SPF record, I would have to tell them, here's the IPs that you're going to need to update because these are the, these are the IPs that I send from then they need some DKIM records. And DKIM records are at the... They are at the domain... They're at the subdomain level. But everybody sends email... Like, I send emails from mattdgale.com, for example. So they're going to be at the root. But the nice thing about DKIM records is that you can have as many of them as you want. Um, mail servers will say, like, pull all the DKIM records and check to see if this key matches any of them. So you can always add more DKIM records. It's just that one SPF record that you have to modify. I just double checked and because uh, I'm using, I use Mailgun for transactional emails. Yeah. And, uh, and that's how they do it. They make you set up a subdomain. Um, but in the from, you're allowed to put your top domain. They make so do they make you the subdomain that you set up is it like mail.gale.com or something yeah exactly that would be that okay. could be your subdomain yeah so that's what that's what uh sendgrid does too you set up like you set up an arbitrary sub subdomain and that's where the the emails come from okay because but uh but but in the from you're allowed to put your the top domain as the from yeah yeah, yeah. okay it's, so yeah so that would work right like if they were already using SendGrid. You could just create another subdomain. Yeah, they, they could create that would work for the mail server, but if they're already if they're using like the SendGrid automated uh, if they're using the SendGrid automated security where you have CNAME records that point to something on SendGrid, then that's what I'm doing. I'm using the automated system too. Oh, okay. And I think that I don't know how that would mesh. Probably not well. Um, but worst case, like a backup could be uh, you do manual security and they manually set some of those values and they manage the SPF themselves and I tell them what IPs these things are going to come from, um, which is annoying, but I really don't see it going that far. If they're doing me, <laughs> I'm going to charge them for a dedicated IP. If that happens, I'm charging them for a dedicated <laughs> IP. And I'll be like, you get your own and here it is. And it won't change. And you manage the, uh, you manage the, <laughs> the um, reputation of it 
or like right. you, yeah, I, I will be, I will hold the, I will hold custody of the reputation of it because it's my IP. But I'll tell you what it is, and you'll have it all to yourself. So just don't get it blacklisted. Yeah. So fucking mail, man. Like, oh yeah, jeez. Yeah. It's so funny, man. Like, I feel like whenever I set up a new site in the last few years, I'm always like, oh, I have to relearn fucking yeah. dns and figure out how all this works and then I, I get the site up it's working and i say oh thank god i can forget all the stuff that i just learned i don't need to memorize this and now like i'm doing dns queries daily to be like okay how is this set up properly oh let me check this which is cool i've learned a lot but at the same time like yeah it's been a while since i've read an rfc i had to read the R- rfc for <laughs> for dkim and spf to like understand how it all worked yeah, jeez. So yeah, so inching closer. Yeah, so uh, after all of that, inching closer, inching ever closer. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. No, exactly. You don't have to worry about all of those scenarios. Mm-hmm. Just get that one customer to pay. Exactly. That'd be a huge achievement. Absolutely. And it was cool too, actually. This customer was like, oh yeah, we're like HIPAA compliant. So, you know, is that a thing? And I was like, Perfect. Because when I was going through the Monday.com uh, like app onboard, or not onboarding, but uh, guidelines for for um, dispersion, dis- distribution, that's the word. <laughs> um, they talk about being HIPAA compliant, so I was thinking like, ah, oh, there's a bunch of things I'm gonna have to save, whatever. But I realized like, oh, actually, I don't have to save anything. I like very little of what I do requires any user information at all. So I, uh, so I went through and I cut a bunch of columns where I was saving user data, and now like I won't say I'm stateless, but I'm pretty close. So now like I, I have to save who the administrator of the account is because if some if they need to upgrade or if something's wrong, I need to contact them. I need an email address. Um, but other than that, like I have I save one email address of the person who installed it, and like that's it. Okay. Oh yeah. So all the all the data that's in monday.com for you like you never store it in your database no you just pull it from the api and send it right away to sendgrid yeah the the way the integrations work is uh when when monday is interacting with you so uh there's two there's two views i guess one is like a, a view inside of the workboard where like your app is shown in an iframe so when that iframe loads you're given a user context and that user context has a short-lived like jwt token in it so if when your app is called you're called effectively with the auth token from monday and it says like if you want to call our api here's a token that you can use to do it it's valid for a minute so even if you wanted to pull a bunch of information your token is scoped and it's only valid for a certain amount of time so yeah it's I don't store I store basically nothing like when the I, I only use that token I store templates but nothing is really stored in a template just you know some words yeah. all I do is just say like oh I, I have a token now that I can use to call the API to get the things to fill in that template and then I send the mail yeah no, that's perfect yeah because I had to do like a like um because people tend to send mass emails, it's very, it's really easy to like make a change and change like a hundred columns at once. And if you do that, you'll overload my server like very quickly. 
Um, so I had to I had to set up a queue. So like, it's completely asynchronous. So if you want to send a mail, it it drops. It takes the message and drops it onto a queue, and then like that message is consumed and an email is created and sent. Um, okay. Because it's yeah. Oh, but but that email contains. Monday.com information. That that message contains Monday.com information. Yeah. Okay. So while it's on the queue, it's in. Yeah. It's in your system. Yeah. But it's actually like at least for me, that's not a big problem. I can like I can encrypt all of the messages that I that I put onto the queue and then decrypt them when I when I process them. Um, okay. And then I throw and then they get thrown away. So. Okay. But that's like the extent. Yeah, so it, I have no idea what the HIPAA rules are. Yeah, a lot of it is just like best practices around encryption and uh, go- data governance. Okay. So, yeah, it is a little bit tricky for. I, I'm trying to think about the right way to to deal with um, making sure emails show up properly. So finding, uh, I'll create an email and I'll populate a template that's like, is it good? Does it look good? Like, well, I don't know. I might not be able to read those emails. Or I can't I can't look at the emails and render them for myself, um, so I have to like see through see my way around that. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you just need to populate the template with dummy data, mm-hmm. right? Like you you see the placeholders that they've put in the template, mm. just mock it up. And... Yeah, that's true. I could just fill it with with mock data. Yeah, all things to worry about some other time yeah exactly i'm just yeah <laughs> like I, at this point i'm just not trying to be flagrantly stupid uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. everything else is just like you know i i know how to work i know how to use all this stuff and i'm very responsible so yeah, yeah know, exactly so yeah that's the cool that's the status all right so you're saying this week that's my plan or... i uh the hardest, I think the hardest part is going to be all the art assets because there's a, okay. like you have to, I, I've written a lot of copy already for the marketplace page, but I have to create, like there's a carousel of images that show up right? and I may need to create a video. So, um, I have to think about what might go into that. The first, first version might be just a loom of me recording, <laughs> making yeah, an email yeah. or something, but yeah. Yeah, because I've got so many like engineering as marketing things that I can, that I've got, uh, that I've got up my sleeve. Like, yeah, okay. I've got so like I'm so ready to get marketing. Oh my god. Nice. I'm gonna eat these guys' fucking lunch. <laughs> they don't know what's coming. Keep the money warm, baby. <laughs> I'm coming for it. that's it for me i don't know do you have anything else nope okay that's it for me too sounds good very good so i guess we'll talk again after my vacation yeah that's true because i'm also going on vacation jeez vacation from what you guys (laughs) these guys always vacationing (laughs) i'm like a european like when do these guys work (laughs) i'm vacationing from your vacation exactly so yeah, you're gone. You leave the week after next. Okay. Yep. I also leave the week after next. So I'll, I'll be back at the end of the month. Awesome. 
and then it's go 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 yeah and then it's find some contract work and make some money <laughs> or hope that email wonderful goes to unicorn status overnight exactly hockey stick baby that's what i'm into <laughs> i'm into hockey sticks you're canadian eh <laughs> All right, cool, man. Thanks a lot for the input. I appreciate it. Yeah, always fun. Yeah. All right, I'll catch you later. See ya. See ya.